You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Bracket season and the final four are here, so bet with my bookie. Sign up today at mybookie.ag and use promo code GATERS to secure a deposit bonus up to $1,000. Only at mybookie. Gators Breakdown. Because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. Gators Breakdown Podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters, and you can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC, and I'm glad we're ready to go because I wasn't sure I'd be able to do an episode this week. I know a lot of you follow me on Twitter and stuff. I put it out there. I very severe sinus infection late last week over the weekend. It got a little worse, so got to you know, move down to, to, to my teeth and, and infected that area a little bit too, so I got to go have some Oral surgery next week, so uh, you know, fighting through it. Uh, a lot of pain in, in, in involved, but uh, got a little reprieve, got a little bit of a window here uh, to try and, and get an episode out uh, as best I can. So uh, bear with me. This episode may be a little slow, um, may drift off a little bit. <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll see. It even hurts to smile there if you if you're watching on the YouTube version. Uh, but, uh, you know, try power through it. We'll definitely want to get an episode out this week, uh, for, for you guys. And, uh, I don't even know, I don't remember the last time I've missed a week, uh, missed an, uh, there, uh, missed an episode for a week. So, um, you know, we'll see, you know, how, how it goes. Uh, hopefully all, uh, hopefully all will be good, uh, for this episode here of Gators Breakdown. Uh, plenty to talk about. Um, just want to get, I asked you guys, I threw up a poll on Twitter, uh, did it on Gators Breakdown Plus too. I'll do a separate episode to get the you know, the feedback I got from uh, those guys on the Gators Breakdown Plus side. But also, you know, I threw the question out on Twitter. You know, to have the expectations changed after uh, the spring practice. We know all the notes that we got from spring practice. We didn't get to see a lot, um, and um, you know, the notes of you know the quarterback struggles uh, with with Emory Jones and the offense. Uh, struggling throughout most of the scrimmages at th- three three scrimmages, the defense won them all. Offense got better in that last scrimmage, um, but you know, was that the expectation going in? Um, did, uh, does your expectations change because of that? The improvement from the defense, not hearing great things about the offense. Um, so I wanted to you know gauge the fan base a little bit and get your guys' feedback and throw that out there. Uh, let everybody discuss them amongst themselves uh, on social media afterwards and uh, send them my way too. We can continue the discussion after this episode, but definitely wanted to get your guys' thoughts out there. You know, I've always uh, thought of this as a fan podcast, and we're going to continue that here uh, with that. and get your thoughts out there uh, and talk back and forth with the expectations uh, coming out of spring practice. Uh, for the Gators. So before we start uh, this episode, we got to give a congrats out to Ryan Spears. I hope I'm saying that right, Ryan, or Ryan Spears, Ryan Spires, but uh, hopefully uh, I get it right there in one of those. You're the winner of the Gators Breakdown Plus, giving away the Gators Hover Helmet. If, you know, if you're watching on YouTube, you see the helmet spinning behind me now. Uh, Ryan was our winner of the Gators Breakdown Plus giveaway there. Uh, everybody who's signed up in these first few weeks was uh, uh, thrown in for a chance to win that. So congrats to Ryan. Uh, there for when the the, the the hover helmet will be doing more giveaways uh, coming up, uh, of course, and as part of the the, the benefit of joining Gators Breakdown Plus, there will be some giveaways uh, along the same lines uh, there as that uh, as that hover helmet. So uh, 
congrats once again, Ryan. Thanks for uh, everybody who hopped on early to Gators Breakdown Plus. Hopefully I can get through this week of you know, next week and a half after I have the surgery uh, next week. Minor surgery, nothing big, uh, but um, that uh, I can you know ramp up the Gators Breakdown Plus even more uh, there. But uh, got to get the, the healthy part uh, done first. But, you know, speaking of Gators Breakdown Plus, everybody – Starting $3 a month for kind of general support. If you like what we do here on Gators Breakdown and want a little more, then it starts at just $3 a month. But if you want even more, you can go up to $10 a month. You see the tiers there if you're watching on YouTube. $3, $5, $10. And look, it's my goal to ensure you that no matter what level you choose to support, you'll get back more than you give. Members will receive full access to unique episodes, uh, a blog that I have going on there, a Discord server where we can chat back and forth. Uh, giveaways, as I've mentioned, uh, ask me anything sessions, watch parties, shout outs, and more. Head to gatorsbreakdown.supportingcast.fm to check it out and join. Links in the description as well. There's three tiers to choose from. Sign up today for Gators Breakdown Plus. And before we move forward, remember you can find Gators Breakdown on news4jacks.com slash Gators Breakdown or your favorite podcast platform if you watch the YouTube version. Uh, but need to listen to on the go, check it out on your favorite podcast platform. Or if you just want to, for whatever reason, see my ugly face, see it my ugly mug, you can check out uh, the YouTube version uh, there. A lot of people like that YouTube version. It's blowing up. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. It really, really, really helps us out here on Gators Breakdown. The more you like, the more you subscribe, the more people see Gators Breakdown and uh, gets us out there uh, a bit more. So, yeah, let's head to the poll that I put up. Uh, here on Twitter and your feedback, your comments that we'll discuss here on this episode of Gators Breakdown. And do it out there. Have your expectations changed for Florida now that spring practice is done and why? So I threw it out the three choices there, same expectations, higher expectations, lower expectations. Out of about 500 votes, 59.6. So about 60% of you say you have the same expectations coming out of spring practice about what I expected. I expected the majority to have the same expectations because um, spring practice is just kind of what it is. Um, especially this year when we didn't get to see a whole lot, uh, hard to take a lot from it. Uh, but you know, we got, got to discuss <laughs> what we're hearing um, uh, out there. 21.5% uh, of you said you have now lower expectations coming out of spring practice and 18.9, basically 19% of you out there say you have higher expectations of the Gators coming out of spring practice. So let's start here with the first comment. Josh Horton says, same expectations. We should be contending for the SEC title. Realization of situations, we are an eight-win football team next year, nine if we are lucky. And going to Josh's point there, that's, that's kind of where we're at here. The expectation overall program wise, no matter what the year is, should be competing for an SEC title. Florida did that last year. It's what they were picked to do in 2020. They ended up doing that. Maybe not a conventional way, not the way it was supposed to look. Um, of course, with the late season collapse there. Um, so look, the expectation is always that, but you know, there have to have to be some realistic expectations. And I kind of think that's where you amend it to his realization of a situation where we're an eight win football team next year, nine, if we are lucky. And that brings up, I'm trying to find the comment here. Um, it was about the expectation. Yeah. The, the swamp thing. He said, the expectations don't change. This is the university of Florida. Mullet even said the Gator standard is championships period. End of story, you know, program that is, but you know, this, there has to be some real realistic expectations that come along with it. And it's realistic expectations going into year four, if you're happy with it or not, you know, should we be going into year four with so many questions? Should we be going into year four where I'm not saying a lot of the fan base is doing it, but I think if you have realistic expectations, you know, most people you're going to realize a lot of media, a lot of people out there, a lot of Gator fans included are going to be picking Georgia to win the SEC East. And should you feel that way going into year four of Dan Mullen, where Georgia's an overwhelming favorite to win the SEC East? And 
look, that was before spring practice. So that's kind of saying where I think the expectation may even be the same for a lot of you. It's the same for me. I was picking Georgia before spring practice. I'm picking Georgia after spring practice, too. You know, there was nothing Florida was going to do in spring practice that was going to say, oh, Florida's ready to, you know, pass Georgia for 2021 season. You know, I think if you look at both programs and in the situations here, it kind of reversed from a year ago. You know, Florida's got all the changes now on offense and maybe some co- some coaching changes, not on the offensive side of the ball like Georgia have, but on defense uh, for for the Gators. Florida's got a, has a lot of questions on defense. Like Georgia had a lot of questions on offense going into last year. You have the same situations of changing quarterbacks and losing a lot of offensive firepower, um, not necessarily firepower, a, um, a, a group of talent. You know, Georgia lost a lot of offensive linemen uh, at the same time as they lost Jake from, you know, Florida's losing their best offensive lineman while losing Kyle Trask, while losing Kyle Pitts, while losing Kadarius Tony uh, there. So I think, you know, whatever your expectation was coming in the spring, it probably should have been a little bit of realistic in it. And, should you feel and that's maybe a, a different question coming out of necessarily of what transpired during spring, if your expectation is going to really change or not, maybe a separate conversation is going into year four, a year after you beat Georgia, a year after you win the SEC East, should Georgia be the overwhelming favorite after you've accomplished all that? That's, you know, probably a topic for another day. Uh, an overall program look, not necessarily a going into 2021 look. Uh, and look, you're not sitting here and going to concede. You still got to go play the games. Florida's got enough talent to go out there and still compete with Alabama and beat Alabama in, in week three. I'm not saying it's going to happen. You know, Alabama's the best team in the country year in and year out. And, you know, it's going to ask a lot for Florida to, to, to be a team to beat Alabama in, in week three. But, you know, I'm going to sit here and say it's going to be some huge surprise and, you know, taking, taking it back. If, you know, Florida goes out there and wins the East somehow, would they be picked? No. Would it be a mild surprise? I think yes, but it's not like, Oh, you know, it wouldn't be some totally unexpected thing. Like Florida's going to garner probably some votes when SEC media days rolls around uh, there. You know, I think Georgia will be the overwhelming favorite there, but it's not like you're going to, you know, be totally aghast if Florida wins the East next year. Would it be a surprise? Yes, but not, uh, not, not, not totally. Like where, like where it comes out of nowhere. Everybody's going to be picking Florida or Georgia uh, next year. So I think uh, it's just kind of, kind of where it goes. Uh, maybe more of a program look there of the expectation of contending for an SEC title, but the realization, as Josh says, eight win, maybe nine if we were lucky. Uh, next year for the Gators is what Josh says. So, you know, you, you know there was um, the thought of a, a ceiling and a floor uh, for Dan Mullen when he was hired. And, you know, the floor is always going to be pretty good under Dan Mullen. What's the ceiling? I think we're still asking ourselves that question going into year four. Nicholas Goldsmith, that Gator fan 691, says, I think having a spring game uh, was a big key to this year's team. Um, not necessarily a spring game, of course, but they did get the scrimmages in. But good point here by Nicholas, and I've brought this up before. When you're not getting a lot of five-star talent, you have to be able to develop, and that's what this staff does well. The defense will carry the offense until they gel. So, yes, we we always harp on this staff's ability to develop, get guys in, develop them, let them become something over time. And look, this is what Dan, this is Dan Mullen's team now. You know, a lot of Jim McElwain guys are gone. You know, he relied on a lot of those guys, uh, his first three seasons. And now going into year four, this is mostly Dan Mullen's players now, especially in key spots. Uh, quarterback, of course. Uh, running backs, you know, Damian Pierce was Dan Mullen's first class. Malik Davis still was a, a McElwain guy, of course, but everybody else <laughs> there at that running back position. The transfers as well, you know, are Dan Mullen guys. Uh, there, so I think you know, the offensive line that we throw under the bus a whole lot are you know complete Dan Mullen guys now, John Hevesy guys now. So it's time to see the development. That's something that we saw we, they, they missed last year. And you guys know I, I don't use COVID as a complete excuse for what Florida wasn't able to do last year. Was it a reason? Yes. Was it a complete reason? No. And they missed that last year. If we're gonna give this staff a whole lot of credit for being able to develop 
to develop talent and not have the the, the five-star after five-star at the five-star that Alabama has, that Georgia has, that Clemson has, that Ohio State has, then if we're going to give them so much credit for developing talent to be able to compete with those teams and you and you miss a window to develop, then you, know, you, you can't have it both ways and say, hey, the staff's so good at developing and then they don't have it and then blame for some kind of fall. And I think that's what happened last year. And I also think, you know, they played it too safe uh, last year, too conservative uh, by not having that and not going and being physical in practice leading up to, to fall camp and trying to keep everybody healthy. And like I, I think Mullen and them realized it too, that you know, the team was a little soft uh, last year. And you, you saw that late in games. You saw that on the defensive side of the ball. And now you, you, you come back, you get to develop that this year. And you developed it early. You started spring practice early. And you have about three weeks ahead of everybody else to for these players. And as Mullen said, all spring, they get to go watch about extra three weeks worth of film now. And these coaches get to do it as well and, 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 and identify who they can put on the field uh, right now. So now you have a lot of these young players uh, who didn't get a spring last year early enrollees who got a spring this year that the early enrollees last year didn't get to have or the freshmen uh, last year didn't get to have. So if we're going to give them a whole lot of credit for developing and putting guys on the field that they've developed, you didn't get that last year. You do get it this year. Maybe that's what uh, helps Florida become a better fourth quarter team uh, and, and having more players on the field instead of having to rely on the same guys over and over and over again who are not getting the job done. You develop the young guys behind them. You can put them out there. You trust them to go out there and do their job. Stingfeed News says about the same. Slightly higher on the defense, thanks to the front seven, along with addition by subtraction of safety. Bye-bye, Steiner, Davis, Hello, Dean, and Torrance. Never too worried about offense, although our line is bleh. I'm higher on this team than most. That confuses slash scares me. Man, yeah. <laughs> Stingfeed news there, the, the last line, I'm higher on this team than most. That confuses slash scares me. Don't let us scare you. I mean, as I said, you know, there, there's enough talent on this team. Dan Mullen's a good enough coach. It's just, it's not going to be a huge surprise if Florida goes out there and, and wins the East again. They're not going to be picked to do so, but it wouldn't be a huge surprise if they do it at the same time. Um, slightly higher on the defense. You know, that's kind of where I think all the notes we heard throughout spring – you hope that's the case. You hope that going against an overmatched offensive line translates to still going against better offensive lines and that you're going to play in the fall. You hope that the domination that we heard from the defensive line is just because they are that good. And then maybe the offensive line isn't quite as bad, but given what we've seen the last two years, you kind of see the the, the worry there and, and why there is so much worry of – the you know, the defense the the good that we heard from the defense maybe taken with a grain of salt till we see it against better opponents uh or better opponents of course than just you know yeah defense may be good enough to stop the Kentuckys the South Carolinas the Tennessees but what are they going to do versus Alabama what are they going to do versus Georgia what are they going to do versus LSU the teams that can throw out the same amount of talent in the team, the teams that we've seen this defense struggle with Todd Grantham uh, the first few years, what's going to happen there. So I'm high on this defense too. I really like the front seven. I like the line. I mean, the linebackers start with Diabate, who got a lot of time last year, got better as the year went on where it is. He had a really, really good spring along with the young guys, as we discussed Hopper and, and Wingo, I think Florida's going to be a lot better at linebacker. And I really like the transfers they brought into. They needed them. And you hope that when you got their need, you hit on those needs. Florida's done it in the transfer portal before. That's why I think you can have some confidence there that, hey, we've seen what Florida was able to do with one-year stop guys along the defensive line uh, before, especially for somebody like Jonathan Grenard. Can those guys come in and have the same kind of impact? I don't want to put that pressure on them. Jonathan Grenard was really special in 2019. What he was able to come in and do and, and be not, not just a really good player, but he was a leader coming in right away and being a leader year one. The only year he was going to be here unless something bad happened. But if you go out there and perform like the way he did, you knew he was only going to be here a year. And that's the same thing I think we can hopefully get from New Kirk uh, and, and, and Valentino. So, I, and then Stingfeed News, along with the addition by subtraction at safety, 
Uh, I think so. I think so too. Dean and Torrance have to be more consistent than Steiner and Davis. I'm saying have to, as in they, they, they need to be, um, not that they're going to be, I, I don't know. Um, I think it's hard pressed to be as bad as what we saw last year on that back end. We have to believe communication was the foremost aspect that this defensive staff, these new DB coaches had to hit on along with Todd Grantham. I mean, that had to be the realization that not getting lined up, the communication issues, not knowing where to be, not knowing what to do when the ball is snapped and still running around. That's, that's unacceptable. And I still am very confused on why it happened so much last year. Those guys played a lot of football in this defense. And that's kind of where I go back to, you know, that's why I don't think COVID was a complete excuse for a lack of development, you know, because I'm sorry, this defense didn't change. And you still had those guys out there not knowing what they were, what they were going to do. And to me, it's completely inexcusable. So now I think, you know, I think a realization, a slap in the face comes with how pitiful that performance was last year and now you get these these guys in who were for all intents and purposes should have been embarrassed for the way they played last year and some of the the reasons why it happened mainly the miscommunication issues uh that you see there so you hope it's a a rallying point to to, to not look that bad again um and go out there and and get it fixed with new db coaches uh and and todd grantham kind of really needing to 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 rally and, and show show he's worth the, the money he's getting paid as a def- one of the highest defensive coordinators in college football because that performance that Florida got last year was not it. So I think I'm probably higher on the defense too than I should be, and mostly because of that front seven and, and, and Elam there at, at one corner spot. And we're here. I think the the best thing for me is not necessarily just hearing that the transfers did so well up front or. Um, you know, Diabate being a leader at linebacker. Diabate was a leader to me. He was going to get that role coming out of high school. I mean, that was just the, the, the way he presented himself, his football smarts coming out of high school. Then that guy's going to be a leader. And I didn't necessarily think it was going to be at linebacker position, <laughs> you know, him switching positions last year, but him being a leader, um, there's nowhere near surprising to me knowing his reputation. But it was the, I think the, the best thing coming out of spring practice was all the young players that we got to hear about. Jason Marshall, Donovan McMillan, Tyron Hopper, Derek Wingo, guys that we wanted to see on the field last year um, that we didn't get to see a whole lot of. And now they got to prove their worth this spring. That That's probably the most encouraging part for me. So getting those guys on the field and then making a name for themselves all spring was uh, was the most encouraging part for me. Uh, jump past 15, kind of to go along that. He says, really, really looking forward to seeing this defense this year. Overall, I think this is a huge year for Mullen all around. And, yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, kind of spoke on it before there, but the way 2020 was, we pinpointed 2020. When Dan Mullen was hired, 2020 was pinpointed with, okay, that, that needs to be the year everything is trending up. That needs to be the year. You know, If you don't beat Georgia in 2018 or 2019, okay, but 2020 better be the year <laughs> that you do it by, or you better be in Atlanta by year three. And he, he hit those two things, but it was just hit by a brick wall just because of what happened the week before versus LSU and what happened after and all the press conferences and all the weirdness that happened in 2020. It, it is a huge year uh, for Dan Mullen. All the NFL talk, you know, whether it's legit or not, um, no, I says I think the interest will always be there. I'm not sure the interest is reciprocated <laughs> right now. I think Demon's going to be at Florida for at least a few more years till uh, I think quote unquote the reputation's back up there. Uh, I think the football side of it, the reputation is still really high, even given the inexcusable LSU loss and the Oklahoma thing. But everything that surrounds those games, I think, still leave the question mark about Dan Mullen, NFL and, and college. Uh, right there. So I think this is a huge year. You know, you got there in, in, in 2021, and I think because the expectation is Georgia's supposed to win the SEC East, I don't think Mullen would be penalized too much in a national narrative if Florida doesn't win. But you you got to go be competitive. you got to go be competitive with Alabama in week three. And I, you know, I pointed to that game a whole lot. I think 2020 showed you just how close those teams can be, you know, Alabama wins the national championship. Florida's got four losses, but that game itself shows you how 
close it can be. It shows you the potential of Florida. 2021 is going to show you how just how far the programs are. And a year after that game, a season after that SEC championship game, you know, Alabama is still projected to be a college football contender, a national championship contender, and Florida is barely in the top 20 when you look at rankings going into 2021 season. So it is a you know, go, go show your competitive versus Alabama. Go show your competitive or beat Georgia. You know, you, even though 2018, 2019, you were still kind of molding the program in your image, you were still very competitive versus Georgia. Stats may not have shown it, the way the games played out. Uh, in certain aspects may not have shown it, but the final score, you know, it's really what all, a lot of people are going to point to what's close. It may, sometimes you can say, well, the, the game's not as close as the score indicated, but you still made a competitive game versus Georgia where people were still, you know, picking Florida the week of the game uh, versus Georgia and, you know, pinpointing to 2020 as, okay, we've seen how close Florida is to Georgia these last couple of years. Florida should be a better team in 2020. We're going to pick Florida to beat Georgia in 2020, and it happened. So I, those aspects, and also go out there and beat the teams you're supposed to beat. You can't have that LSU game that we get with, that we got last year. And honestly, step on the throat. If you're up by 20 in the fourth quarter, don't let teams clap, you know, claw and, and scratch their way back. You know, these early season games versus FAU and USF. If you're up, you know, keep 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 the foot down. And you know, go out there and, and show uh, you know a, a nastiness. Where's the where's the thumb wrestling moment? Everybody wants to go back to the 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 year, first year he was hired and after the Missouri game and talking about competitive spirit and wanting to beat everybody in thumb wrestling. That's the, that that's the damn moment everybody wants to see, as far as Gator fans go go go. So I think uh, that it, it is a huge year for Dan Mullen all around. So. Alec Bennett uh, says a couple uh, comments here from him. I honestly feel like Dan Mullen will always average 25-plus points every year regardless of who is under center or who the right tackle is. On defense, uh, the spring has fortunately gotten my hopes up. I like our transfers. I love Zach Carter coming back and the five-star talent we have. I also like that our safety room cleaned house, and I think crime will play the best players because he's old school. I'm still concerned about the second corner spot and the star position. I still don't trust Grantham, but I think the strong front seven, they will be better. A strong front seven is what helped Grantham in 2018, 2019. You had Zaniga, you had Polite, you had Grenard. Um, Schuler was a transfer that really came in and, and it helped Florida. You had some good linebacker play with David Reese. That front seven, it, it, it was better. You know, Vashawn Joseph there uh, in, in Mullen's first year making some big plays uh, versus LSU uh, in, in the swamp. So, you know, a front seven really, really helped um, Todd Grantham. I think massive some issues. It helped, that, it helped that secondary. You know, we're, we're looking for improvement. We're looking for improvement on the defensive side. You got to get back to the 2018, 2019 uh, defense and maybe even better. You know, if the offense isn't going to be – the offense isn't going to be what it was in 2020. It'll be different. It it, it it'll score some points as as Alex says. Me average 25 plus every year under uh, under Mullen. Yeah, but is, w- w- would that be good enough? And you get you probably have to be around that 30 mark in today's college football if you want to compete for championships. You got to probably hit that 30 mark on the offensive side, and you know 25 is not going to be enough if you don't get big improvement from the defense. Uh, there, so I, I do think you know you can probably say if the front seven is going to be better, this whole defense will be better. And look, the defense is going to be better. I don't think this is going to be one of those. You go back to Will Muschamp, you go back to Jim McElwain, where we would see putrid offenses, and we would say to ourselves, "Well, there's no way it can be worse next year, or there's no way it can be worse this coming up season." When you compare it to last year, and they found ways to be as bad, or they found a new way to be bad. I don't think that's going to be the case on defense. They will be better. I don't know how much better, and partly because I think there's really nowhere to go but up. Um, and like I said, we we said that many, many times about a Jim McElwain and Will Muschamp-led offense. Uh, but I think there's too much talent. I don't think Dan Mullen's going to necessarily take that as well. Uh, I, I think he was probably embarrassed a bit by this defensive performance. I think there was a lot of sit-down meetings between him and Grantham and said, hey, look, th- this has got to be fixed. You know, there was not a lot we could do during the season last year, but you know, spring practice is important. We got to get we got to get this fixed. So I, I think going into spring 
and the realization that it has to be better and you, you, you're going to have an offense that you pretty much wasted, you know, last year. You're going to have an offense uh, that's not going to be putting, putting up points uh, like that. Now, I also think that could probably help this defense, you know, a little slower-paced offense. Defense may not be on the field as much, um, but, you know, that's not to you – know, that's not to – Say the offense shouldn't have done what they did last year. You know they had to. They had to. They had to put up points. Uh, but maybe that helps the defense in somehow, some way. I'm just kind of looking for. You know, I'm just kind of pulling at strings here. Hopefully, uh, but the defense will be better. It's just how much better, and will that be enough? Uh, when you look at your Florida schedule, the worries maybe at quarterback. You know that we heard throughout the spring, the worries on offense, losing Kyle Pitts, Kadarius Tony. We'll see. We'll see. The defense will be better, but you got to see if that will uh, be enough uh, there. So, all right, a uh, few more thoughts. We'll, we'll get into here. I, I like uh, what you guys uh, sent my way here. But before we get to the rest of the comments, it's time for the final four in college basketball, and it's time for you to shoot your shot and score big on the nonstop action with my bookie. Doesn't matter if you're betting the national championship winner or simply looking for player and game props, MyBookie has you covered. Sign up today at MyBookie.ag and use promo code GATERS to secure a deposit bonus up to $1,000. That's promo code GATERS to claim your first deposit bonus. College ball, NBA, NHL, UFC, no matter the sport, no matter the minute, from tip-off to buzzer, MyBookie puts the action in your hands with in-game live betting. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. All right. Head back to the Twitter machine here and get uh, a few more comments from everybody. Once again, thanks for sending your feedback here on this uh, topic of expectations coming out of spring practice. And Jason at Jason Gator one says we lost too much on offense, not to think nine and three or eight and four for 2021. Plus, why would anybody change or have higher expectations coming out of spring practices? And kind of what I said earlier, Jason, yeah, it's uh, spring is what it is. Um, I don't blame anybody for, 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 you know, if they want to change their expectations for spring. I, I necessarily wouldn't. Um, I don't, like I said, I don't think anything was going to happen to sway my decision because, you know, where, where, where Florida was and, and how I, how good I think, look, I, I'm not predicting Georgia to win the national championship. I think they'll be a really good team. Uh, next year, um, I mean, look, as bad as they were last year, they lost two games with Florida and Alabama. So, you know, there's no shame in that <laughs> for, for, for Georgia. Uh, I hate admitting that, but you don't recruit at the level they recruit at and at least don't be really good. Can they be elite? Can they win the national title? You recruit like that, eventually you think uh, it has to happen at some point, but it is Georgia. <laughs> and it's been 40 years, so – I don't know. You, you, like I said, you, you think it has to happen with that. You, teams don't recruit that well and not win a national championship at some point. But man, it's uh, it's just one program that maybe doesn't. It's Georgia, just kind of the way everything has fallen from them uh, the, the last forty years. Had it in twenty seventeen, somehow gave it away uh, there to Alabama. But we'll, you know, we'll see. You know, we'll, we'll see there. But yeah, I don't know. Just because of what I think most people expect from them, what they have coming back, um, you know, maybe the expectation not changing too much uh, from from Florida. Alex um, Daltiel, hopefully I'm saying that right, Alec. Um, maybe it was not being able to see a whole lot other than Instagram videos, but I'm less confident. The defense won every scrimmage. Is that good? New coaches, same coaches where I don't want time will tell. Yeah, that that's you know kind of back on the defense. Twenty twenty was bad. Twenty twenty was scary for how bad that defense was. And I even said going into spring, whatever happened in spring, whatever the thought process that we got out of it was going to be, it probably wasn't going to be overly positive. If the defense was going to get better, then people were going to worry about the offense because of how bad the defense was in twenty twenty. Spring is used for a time to improve. Um, now I'll say that. And like I said, I think the defense was probably a little worse than what it really was in 2020. It, I just think the bottom fell out. I think confidence fell out uh, as the season progressed. I don't think they were that bad. I mean, look, how did Marco Wilson get that bad? And, uh, you know, he 
it's like he got worse every year. That, that rarely happens. Um, and uh, development, you know, we, we give the staff a lot of credit, as I said earlier, for, for developing, but development of Marco Wilson didn't happen. Um, and when Florida needed him to play nickel star position in 2019, he did pretty well. So what happened from 2019 to 2020? I don't know. The safety position did not develop worth anything. Uh, so maybe part of um, the reason moves were made there. Um, the safety position, you know, Brad Stewart and, and Sean Davis and Donovan Steiner, those guys didn't get better. It got worse. So that, that's the worry there. Um, so um, I think that's part of, you know, needing to fix that mindset of uh, how do those guys get worse? Um you brought in, I think, new coaches to to help in that regard. Um, so, but I, I get it. You know, if the offense was going to come out and dominate spring, then it was going to be well. The defense didn't get any better. It's the same old, same old defense that we saw in 2020. So, I think it's better that we heard the defense got better. Um, and as you said, Alec, we didn't get to see a whole lot for, from the Instagram videos. A lot of it's word of mouth coming out of spring a lot of the notes from different sources were the same and i i do wonder if maybe by design did Mullen want to control the narrative and this is what got out there um i i have a hard time believing what got out was not by design somewhat um maybe to get out to give the defense some confidence i think defense did improved i think the defense did well uh this spring i do think as we said many times i think the offense was held back i don't think you saw what we know is going to be a big part of the offense in the quarterback run game that wasn't going to be a focus this spring you're not getting a whole lot of a design run for emory jones or anthony richardson we know they can do that how does that help the defense prepare how does that help the offense prepare when you know they can do that you're not going to go run. You're not, when it's third three in a spring scrimmage, you work on different aspects. We know what's going to happen during the season. A lot of third and threes are going to be quarterback draws or quarterback powers or third and shorts or you know, going to be draws and powers for, from the quarterback position. You're not going to do that in spring. You're not going to get your quarterbacks banged up. You're not going to learn a lot about you know, your quarterbacks in that situation in the spring, I don't think. You know, can they help your offensive line because you're going to have to rely on those guys to do that? I think you work on it in, in that fashion, but you're not going to run it a whole lot. And your quarterbacks aren't going to get hit. You know, so it, it, to me, it's more about the, the offensive line versus the defensive line and them kind of working on that situation by themselves without the quarterback. Uh, but I don't think you're going to work on it a whole lot. So I think a lot of things were held back, um, not as, you know, Earlier said, not going to worry about the offense too much under Dan Mullen, and we'll and, and we'll see there uh, about the defense. And look, I think the biggest question this comes up for me of you know when you look at the the, the quarterbacks and what we heard and Amber Jones struggling and and Anthony Richardson probably on his heels out of spring. Not too terribly surprised by that. Um, I think you know Anthony Richardson, given his size and stature, is is going to be the guy who eventually takes over. And I think the the best situation is Emory Jones comes out of spring, goes into fall as the starter, plays well enough uh, to be the guy in twenty twenty one, and then you know, Richardson just takes over. Emory's only here one year, and I think he's that Emory, that Anthony's so close that he sows enough in fall camp that he shows enough during the season that he's going to be the heir apparent. He's going to be the guy that takes over. He's going to be the guy that you cannot keep on the sideline in 2022. He may be that guy in 2021. He may end up being that guy. I don't know yet. Um, going into fall camp, Emory Jones is going to get I – mean, Dan Wallen said it last week. He's going to be the starter. He's going to be the guy. Um, so unless Anthony Richardson just comes out and just explodes and, and makes the coaches make a change – we know Dan Mullen's not going to make a change unless he really, really wants to. Uh, so I think coming out of that, I think uh, I wouldn't be too worried about Emory Jones and the defense being better, winning every scrimmage uh, in, in the spring, because I think in a way it may have just kind of set up for that. 
Uh, Christopher Dyer uh, says, I feel they have a lot of things to change, work out, and fix. I don't feel any of that was addressed other than the defense during spring practice, and it's too early to tell if it's really been fixed or the offense is still a work in progress. There we go. <laughs> kind of just going back to the point I just made. Um, I think the offense is a work in progress because of what you lost talent-wise at quarterback, at your skill positions, but I also think it's they're tinkering with some things and trying to figure out how to make up for those aspects. Uh, Ryan Spears, there we go. Um, that's uh, our winner for the Gators Breakdown Plus Hover Helmet. Um, he says his expectation has not really changed. Glad to hear the defense seems to be doing better. Hoping Lingard gets some burn this year. And talk about burn. I mean, that's been the been the word uh, that he, he was burning it up all spring. Uh, hitting some big runs, hitting some big runs in those scrimmages, you know, the, the close to a game situation as the Gators were going to get this spring. Lingard uh, was the running back, maybe, you know, making the most out of Demarcus Bowman being on the sideline with a minor injury and Florida just needing to find explosive playmakers at that position. Uh, said it and I'll say it to I'm blue in the face and I'll say it over and over again. Florida needs more explosives out of the running backs and it's not all on them. The offensive line plays a huge part in that too, but you got to find ways to get those guys in space. And uh, it seems like what they've been able to do with Lingard, running some runs outside for some big yardage, some big gains. And I think you, I think you got to find a way to get the ball in his hands. You know, I think um, part of it's on him too. You know, you can't just go out there on the field and run the same play over and over again that, okay, it's going to be either a little swing route or an outside zone run uh, read. You know, he's got to be able to pass protect. He's got to be able to run inside. He's got to be able to to be the full package at running back if you, if you want him to be out there on the field more so than not. But, man, it's got to, uh, it's got to be on him too. But you've got, I think you've got to find a way, at least early on in the season, um, before, if he is limited – you find ways to use him early on in the season before maybe teams catch up on what he can and can't do. Uh, so maybe using sparingly in those first two games, and you know when Alabama comes to town in week three, you unleash him, even if it's as I said, those outside swing passes or you know wheel route as we saw for the running backs last year. We know Davis and White Wright can do that, and so you look for those guys to do that too. But you also look for Lingard to be a more complete back and be able to be a receiver uh, and hit some big runs out of the backfield as well. So hopefully, hopefully, you know he lives up to that five star status and is on the uh, field uh, for hitting some big runs not only in the spring but when it counts in the fall as well. Uh, Wesley Price says his expectations are lower. Despite the lack of a QB run game in spring, I did not anticipate Emory struggling to throw the ball to this degree in year four. Eight to ten wins, with nine being most likely. We need some lucky bounces against UGA. I like the high floor, but the low ceiling is disappointing at UF. And that's where, you know, year four, it's, it's big. It's big for Mullen and, and, and Emory Jones, and those two connected. You know, Emory was Dan Mullen's first quarterback coming into to 2018 the first quarterback he recruited what's it going to look like if Emory Jones does go out there and struggle you know what's going to be uh the throat process from the fan base like, hey man this was the this was the quarterback you brought in this is the guy who's been around Felipe Franks this is the guy who's been around Kyle Trask and it hasn't been developed into the thrower that we think uh he should be at at this point and look the absolute floor here is going to be Nick Fitzgerald at Mississippi State. There's no way Emory Jones is worse than him throwing the ball. I, I, there's no way I believe it. I just nope. <laughs> he can't be that bad throwing the ball uh, there. So I think you you get a probably as good as version of running the ball, if not better. I think Emory Jones is a better runner than Nick Fitzgerald. Um, different, slippery, more style of runner there. I, I, I'll probably should I'll probably at least put it that way. And he's got to be a better thrower. Than uh, Fitzgerald, so I think that's the floor. You go back and look at that offense in 2017 under, under Dan Mullen. You, you're going to get a lot of that. I think that should be the least of what you should expect for this Dan Mullen offense. But still, in, in year four, with a quarterback of the reputation that Emory Jones had coming in, you do expect sitting behind and getting developed by Dan Mullen and Brian Johnson and being around the quarterbacks especially uh, Kyle Trask and, and, and learning you know, from, from the quarterbacks he could learn from, 
that you don't expect a struggle throwing the ball. So that yeah, it was a bit worrisome that we that we heard that and you know, the zip and we being able to put touch on the ball, uh, knowing when to put touch on the ball and not just throwing a fastball every time. Uh, maybe a bit worrisome, or maybe be maybe being Mister Checkdown uh, is what somebody <laughs> labeled him uh, during the spring uh, is not what you want to hear. So. You know, as I said, it's all what we heard, but not what we get to see. Did get to see many. Yes, don't get me wrong. You wanted to hear better things. Um, you'd like to hear, hey, the defense did some nice things. You didn't. You didn't necessarily want to hear they controlled the whole scrimmages, especially the first couple uh, that the defense just completely dominated. Uh, and it took a while for the offense to get in sync. And you know, the first few drives from an offense were were, were pretty ugly. But, you know, they were thrown in certain situations, as we said. So I, it, it's hard to take too much away um, for going back to that. But, uh, yeah, year four for, for Dan Mullen and Emory Jones are, are, are big because of the quarterback development reputation relationship Dan Mullen has had uh, in the past. You expect um, – that the quarterback position not to necessarily take too big of a dip and Moen being able to figure out something, which I think he will. So um, I think he, you know, the expectation there while coming out of spring for the quarterback may be lower. I don't know if that necessarily translates into win losses expectations to be lower. Um, maybe if you think, Lower of the quarterback position coming out of spring, it may be limits what you thought Florida could do. Like if you if you if you were hearing Emory Jones is doing this and this so great, maybe you would have heightened your expectations of competing for the SEC East and and you know Florida Georgia being neck and neck going into twenty twenty one. But I think with the reservation at quarterback, it's still Georgia a peg above. Florida, uh, when you look at it that way, I think that's the way a lot of people look at it. There, if you if you if we had seen maybe more of Emory Jones before now, and you were hearing some good things out of spring practice, probably more of a neck and neck thing with Georgia. But I think with the the, the struggles that we heard through through the spring, and not necessarily seeing a whole lot of Emory Jones these first three years, you kind of see why maybe the expectation is for Georgia uh, to, to win the East and and, and not Florida for the second year in a row. So there we go. That'll do it for those comments that you guys uh, sent here for me. Um, thank you very much for sending those comments and, and, and vote in the poll. A lot of fun, a lot of fun there. Uh, one more thing I wanted to bring, bring up Matt Wyatt, good friend in the program um, covered Mississippi state uh, covers Mississippi state. And, and when Dan Mullen was there, uh, but uh, this is a few years out, but still, what I think worth bringing up, still a cool conversation to kind of end this episode here with. And Matt Wyatt says, hearing the SEC will likely have a new football scheduling model rotation sometime within the next five years. Unclear if it will, unclear if it will involve a reshuffling of divisions, but it will create more frequent rotations among all league schools. Well, that's something we've kind of been uh, screaming for <laughs> for a little while here as SEC fans, especially when Florida and Auburn were, were playing in 2019. And like, oh, we want to see this game more. These two teams used to play a whole lot more. Or you don't want to wait every, what is it, seven years before you go to the Grove or every seven years before you go to Texas A&M or, you know, all those West opponents that it takes forever to cycle through. And look, it, it needs to happen. And I'm not sure how it happens without some kind of reshuffle or, or more conference games or – you have three permanents and you rotate everybody else. But then if you do that, if you don't increase the amount of games, then are you playing everybody in the East when you, that's how you determine a West an East winner and a West winner. So I don't know. They got a, a lot to figure out there, but it does seem like the SEC is going to look at it. I know the thought has been the SEC will not add any more conference games. Um, I'm okay with that as long as you fill it in with Power 5 games and not the Cupcake games. Um, the schedule is hard, um, you know, playing in the SEC year in and year out. Uh, but you can't sit here and say, well, no, we're only we're going to stay at eight conference games, but here's Sisters of the Poor again. No, you got to go fill that in with what Florida's doing with Utah and Cal and Arizona State and, um, and Notre Dame. Those schools, you, you got to continue that if you're not going to up the the uh, 
you know, and that's another thing. Your Florida's got these out of conference games scheduled till, you know, what a decade out, pretty much. And you know, if the if the SEC decides to go nine conference games, will teams back off <laughs> of of uh, of those agreements or, or anything like that? So that's something uh, worth watching there. But uh, sometime within the next five years, you know, that like I said, that's down the road. But you know, within the next five years, so they could get a wild hair and say, all right, we're doing it next year. We're doing it two years from now. And I mean, it'd be fun. It, it will be fun. I think we all got a taste of what, you know, what, what an all SEC schedule would be last year in, in COVID 2020. And it was fun. And, you know, you, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't get the Patsy Patsy games too much. You played Vanderbilt, but uh, <laughs> that was about it. You didn't, you didn't really get, um, you know, the, the, the blowout cupcake, uh, games that uh, you know they're fun if you want to take the family to the game and and, and have a off quote unquote off week. But uh, man, I, I like I like I like the I like I like it when the swamp's rocking and then those big SEC games. Nothing else like it. So interesting, interesting there to to look out for. And I think something that we'll be on the lookout for um, when the SEC hopefully announces something like that uh, soon. Hopefully, would sooner than the next five years. But uh, we'll see. We'll see. But uh, something I thought worth bring, bring, bringing up and maybe starting a conversation with. So, all right, guys, that'll do it. Um, thankfully, I'm getting a little bit sore right now. But uh, uh, thankfully, uh, made it made it through an episode here. Thank you guys once again for sending all your comments uh, for here for this episode of Gators Breakdown and your expectations. Um, respond to me. Find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. If, uh, if you want to continue the conversation, we'll go back and forth on Twitter. Join Gators Breakdown Plus. We can have the uh, chat. We can continue it uh, in, in the chat there, the Discord chat on Gators Breakdown Plus. So, uh, you know, like I said, I should be doing an episode for those guys too. Um, everybody who sent their comments in the chat there, I'm going to use those and, and give you a little bit more on your thoughts, uh, you get to break down plus members uh, and, and it kind of extend this episode uh, to what you guys had to say. So that'll do it for this episode of Gators Breakdown. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Guys and girls out there, thanks for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown. Gators Breakdown.